Well, good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. Let's give it for a band one more time. Well, this guy's awesome. <laughs> First service, had people with their lighters out, all the old people. It was awesome. It was very cool. It's a Jackson Brown song, Running on Empty. And the point to that song is, today we're going to wrap up the series we've been in for uh, the summer called uh, The Cure for the Common Life. And today I want to talk to you about how you can avoid running on empty. In a series of talks we've been in, um, we've looked at living with intentionality. I talked about 31 million seconds that you have each and every year. And how God has a purpose and a destiny for you. I think I've said that every week. That God has a special and unique plan for you. And that he's giving you these gifts and 31 million seconds every year for you to fulfill his purpose and his destiny for you. But we've got to live with intentionality. Second week, I talked about rising above fear, pressing through the fear barrier. We talked about how fear often holds us back. We're afraid of stepping out and trusting God. And so we don't live that extraordinary, uncommon life because we're afraid of the risks that we might have to take. I spoke one week about Sabbath, and it's a religious phrase for a lot of you. And for me growing up, it was kind of a negative phrase. But I talked about how Sabbath is critical to living an uncommon life because we need that rest. We need margin in our lives. And then last week, uh, I talked about uh, the need for us to live with denial, selflessness, and sacrifice. I guess I should thank you for coming back because last week was definitely a, a tough one for a lot of us. Today, I want you to understand what it takes to live an uncommon life consistently. And one of the key phrases there is the word consistently. To live an uncommon life, not just once in a blue moon, not just once in a while, but to consistently walk in the extraordinary and the God's, and God's purpose for you. And the answer to how that happens is found in two words, God's power. God's power. We can't do it on our own. We're going to be taking a look at quite a few passages from a guy uh, named Paul. Wrote nearly half the New Testament, and uh, he wrote quite a bit about this issue of needing God's power in our lives. And one of my favorite passages is found in 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to go through lots of passages today. The references will be up on the screen. You can jot them down, and uh, if you want to try to follow along, you can, but I'll be reading through them pretty quickly. But 2 Corinthians 4, here's what Paul said. For we have this treasure. You and I have this treasure. And the treasure he's referring to there is our relationship with God and his presence, his power, his life, his glory, his manifest glory in our lives. Paul uses that word treasure kind of broadly, but it means we have God. We have this gift of God, gift of God's presence, gift of his power and glory, his manifest presence, him in our lives. And he says that we have this in jars of clay. Now, not too many of us use jars of clay anymore unless you've got a, a pot with some flowers in it out in your patio. But he is using this phrase, jars of clay, to, to, to make sure we understand that what that means is that we are humble, that we're common, that we're actually uh, even weak. He says, God's given us this treasure, this incredible gift, and it's actually found, though, in weak human bodies like ours. Why did God do that? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Why? Why did God give us this treasure and put it in us? So that when people look at you and me, they would see that it's not us, but that it's God in us. That they would know that this all-surpassing power is from him. And Paul goes on, he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Now, if you've read anything about Paul's life, if you've read the book of Acts, and I would encourage you to do so if you haven't, you find Paul in this constant state of, of uh, adventure. And with that adventure, though, came great trials. He was persecuted, uh, stoned, whipped, 
uh, sink, uh, had a shipwreck, a boat sunk underneath him, all these things that he went through, pressures, all sorts of, of perplexities in his life, and persecution. persecution. How did so- Paul su- survive that? How did he get through that? Well, not by his own power, but by the power of God. How did he get there? Not because he had it inside of him, but because he knew it was God's power. He says, this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. On our own, our strength and power can only go so far and only help us to accomplish so much. In your own strength and power, you could go maybe five minutes to accomplish what God wants you to do. But God provides so much more. But why is it, is it necessary for us to understand our own weakness? Well, there's a couple of reasons why we can only go so far. And the first is our power is limited. Our power is limited. As strong as you might think you are at times, on your best day, your power compares to God, compares to God power is like a AAA or AA battery compared to a nuclear reactor. There's no comparison. God's power is so much greater than our limited power. And the second reason why we need God's power and can only go so far is because we leak. We leak. Life drains us. Struggle and hardship bleed us dry. How many of you had at least one hard day this week? Let me see your hands. Yeah, it's kind of comforting to me. We've all had difficulty. We all live in a world that's broken, an imperfect world where there's all sorts of horrible things happening. Have you watched the news recently? We live in this broken, imperfect world with broken and imperfect minds and bodies, and that very fact drains us. It robs us. It drains our minds and our bodies of spiritual, emotional, and physical resources. We are limited. We are weak, and so we need God. And because we are weak, limited, and common pots of clay, and some of us are crack pots, because of that, we desperately need this continual refueling of God's power through the Holy Spirit. Not just once back in 1957. Not just, you know, well, when I was 17, I had this great experience with God at camp. And God's power just met me. No, we need it all the time, every day. Too many Christians live with a power loss rather than a power encounter because they live without God's Holy Spirit, the power of God's Holy Spirit. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 5, 18. He said, be filled with the Spirit of God. And it's a command, by the way. It's, it's an imperative. We need to do this. But in the original language of the New Testament, the word, that, that phrase could actually be translated, be being filled. There's this continual sense of ongoing fullness that we need, this, this refueling we need by God. Too many Christians, again, live with this power loss rather than this power encounter that we're to have every day with God. In uh, Dr. Jeff's book, our very own resident, Dr. Jeff Kennedy, uh, if you have not read his book, I want to encourage you to pick it up. In fact, I think they have it at the information counter, but I know they've got it at Barnes & Noble. But he wrote a book called Father, Son, and the Other One. And it's one of the best books on the Holy Spirit that I've read. Now, of course, I'm biased because Jeff works with me, and I love the guy. But I'm telling you, it's a phenomenal book. And Jeff made this statement, this one quote that I, I want to give to you. He says, the contrast between powerless American religion and first century church, the first century church, is startling. And I completely agree with him. He said the contrast between the way the church was and the way the church tends to be today, especially in our Western culture, is startling. And I want to suggest it's time for that to change. We're running on empty, trying to get it done on our own strength and power. And this is tragic because we need the Holy Spirit's power. We need the Holy Spirit's power to be the people God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do. You and I desperately need the Holy Spirit for everything. We need his help even to worship. You know, sometimes you wonder, well, why, why do we spend the first 15, 20 minutes of our, our services in worship? Because it's an opportunity for us to engage and to, be, to, to love the Lord and to be touched by him as we touch him. 
It's an opportunity to worship him. But we need the Holy Spirit to even be able to worship him. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to do the work that God has called us to do. Again, you have some strength, but not enough. Not enough to take you as far and as, as deep as God wants you to go in his experience for you, in his life for you. And we need the Holy Spirit's work to, to be able to work for God. We need the Holy Spirit to, to transform us. The work from the inside out, that transforming work of the Holy Spirit, we need that in our lives to become like him, to be renewed in our minds and our hearts and in our lives. Occasionally I run into somebody and I've had these conversations and, and they'll go, man, you know, I've thought about being a Christian, but I'm just too screwed up. I got too many problems. It's, I just, I could, no way I could ever be a Christian because of all the stuff I'd have to do. And I love looking them in the eye and going, you're absolutely right. And they usually shock, like, are you agreeing with me? I thought you were a pastor. I said, you're right. You cannot do this on your own. Neither can I. We need the transforming work of the Holy Spirit working on us from the inside out to help us become the people God wants us to be. And, of course, we need the Holy Spirit's power to do the supernatural. We can't do. We can do some natural things, but the supernatural comes as the Holy Spirit empowers us. A long time ago, a young man in his 20s came to me. His name is Ben, and I loved him. We used to work together. Um, and he came and he said, you know, I'm really frustrated. I'm really discouraged in my spiritual journey and I'm not sure what's going on. In fact, he was implying that if things didn't get better, he might just throw in the towel. He'd been a Christ follower for about four years and initially started with great enthusiasm and lots of energy. But he said, man, I'm trying to do it. I'm reading the Bible and I'm, I'm, I'm memorizing scriptures and I'm trying to pray. He says, but I just, I just keep failing and I don't feel like I've got what I need to get it done and, and I'm constantly wrestling with the same stupid sin and on and on and on. And he was so frustrated. And I said, has anybody told you about the power of God, the Holy Spirit's power that can empower you to do what you cannot do on your own? And he looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language. He goes, What? No, not anything. And I had the privilege of being able to tell him, listen, Ben, God never asked you to do it on your own. He never asked you. What I love about God is that everything he asks us to do, he empowers us to do. Everything God asks you to do. And there's a lot that we are called to do in the New Testament. Tons of things. Everything he calls us to do, he empowers us to do. I said, Ben, God wants to give you the power to do what you could never do on your own. Too many are trying so hard And they're so exhausted because they've not tapped into the source of God's power. Some of you here today are listening online. You've exhausted all of your resources. You are emotionally spent. You've got relational issues going on, and it's just tapped you. You stood here today during worship, and you're just numb. You came here because you just didn't know what else to do. Some of you are dealing with financial pressures, and it's, it's, it's keeping you up at night, and you're exhausted. You don't know what to do. Some of you are trying to do great things for God and you really feel like God's giving you this purpose in life and you tried it for a while and just failed miserably and couldn't do it and, and you, you just realize, man, I can't. Some of you are wrestling with sin, ongoing stuff that you just think, when am I going to get over this? When am I going to get past this? And you need the Holy Spirit's power. New Testament believers had no expectation of experiencing the life of God, the power of God, without, with, without the Holy Spirit, without his help. And the question I've got to ask us this morning is, why do we? Why do we expect that we can do this without God's help? Sometimes people say, well, I just need the church. I just need, you know, the word of God. All I need is prayer and I'll be fine. And I go, man, community is awesome. Yes, you need to be in the word every day. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we mention this on a regular basis. We've got them on the walls. Take a Bible home. It's our gift to you. We want you to be in the word. 
Yes, we need to pray. Pray continually. Pray all the time. Yes. But guys, we need the Holy Spirit, his power within us to fulfill the mission and the ministry of Jesus. So what does it take for that to happen? How can we know and experience more of his power in our life? Well, I'm going to give you some things to consider. Here's the first one. Number one, you'll want more power when you see you need more power. Now, that might be, duh, but it's really important for you to understand. You'll want more of God's power when you realize and see that you truly do need more of God's power. Why does a triathlete train? Because they know they need to. They're going to finish all three of those crazy races and get to the finish line. They train because they know they need to. Why do pregnant women tend to eat better than most of us? Because they know they need to. Why do we attempt to get six or seven or seven or eight hours of sleep every night? Because we know we need to. Why do we take a shower? Because we need to. Why do we Northwesterners drink a lot of coffee? Because we... got to love the Northwest. I mean, every block... No, I just, I just love coffee. Nobody has to convince me to drink coffee. Nobody has to twist my arm. Nobody has to try to, you know, manipulate me to drink coffee. I, I had a triple espresso already this morning. Can you tell? Because I'm talking really fast. I'll have more later. Nobody has to convince me that I need more coffee, that I want coffee. I just, I have this internal motivation. I want coffee. Some of you right now, it's funny to see some of you drinking. It's like, well, yeah, I need to. Why do they make those cups so small in the, in the lobby? We love coffee, but why do we do that? Because we recognize we need it. Most of us, listen, here's the point. Most of us don't need a lot of motivation to do the things that we recognize as necessary or needed in our life. You don't need a lot of motivation to do the things you recognize as necessary or needed. And I want to suggest to you this morning, you need the Holy Spirit. You need more of his power. Paul, again, who knew his severe need Uh, For the power of God wrote this in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 3 to 5. He says, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. Now, Paul said when he came to this church in Corinth, he said, and it's a Greek uh, population with valued wisdom and philosophy and and deep things. He said, when I came to you, I came uh, in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. I didn't come and wow you with my ability to be eloquent with my words and with my wisdom. I didn't do that. He says, but I came with a demonstration, here it is, of the Spirit's power. Paul said, I didn't come in human strength. I came in the strength and power of God. Why? So that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, on man's ability, but on God's power. Paul said, I know how pathetic I am without the power of God in me. Another question I need to ask you this, ask you this morning is, do you? Do you understand that? And if you're, you're not convinced of that yet, then can I humbly suggest that perhaps it's because you really don't understand the purpose God has for you. Or maybe you're not taking the risk that, that you need to take to experience that uncommon, extraordinary life. If you think you don't need more of God and God's power in your life, then it's probably because you've just put it on cruise control. And you're just kind of coasting through, going through the motions. Because when we step out, when we we trust God, when we step into that realm of the impossible, then we realize, man, I need God to do the impossible and to go beyond the natural, the natural abilities that you may have. We need, we must have God's divine empowerment. And when you understand that, when you get that, that's going to be that motivation. You'll want more when you see you need more. Here's the second thing. You'll get more power when you ask for it, wait for it, 
and stay plugged into the source of it. First, you've got to recognize your need. That's critical. And then you've got to come to this point where you ask for it, where you wait for it, and where you stay plugged in to the source of it. Let me ask you another question. Pop quiz. Can God do whatever he wants whenever he wants to? Yes or no? Good job. Right answer. God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. But, and this is huge. This is important that you understand this. God has chosen to cooperate with us, to partner with us. He doesn't want to force you. He doesn't want a robot. He wants a, a relationship with a real person. And so we see this throughout Old and New Testament, that God invites us into this co-op, so to speak. He invites us into this relationship with him that is where we partner with God. We receive from him what we need, and we, we go in his name. We recognize our emptiness, our brokenness, and we come to him, and we ask, God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Give me what I do, do not have on my own. Throughout the scriptures, we see God's desire to partner with people and Jesus taught about this in John chapter 15, one of my favorite passages in the book of John. These are words that he spoke just prior to going to the cross, some of the most important things he wanted the disciples to understand. And in John 15, he said this to the disciples and to us. John 15, verses 4 and 5, Get your life from me, and I will live in you. No branch can give fruit by itself. It has to get life from the vine. And now Jesus is used in picture of a vineyard, very common and that part of the world and, and, and their understanding. And he said, you, for that vine to grow, to produce grapes, to, to have life, it has to be connected. That branch has to be connected to the vine. And, and when a farmer would go through and prune and throw off the extras of the part that wasn't healthier or wasn't growing well, then that part withered and died, and obviously there's no fruit. Jesus said, Jesus said no branch can give fruit by itself. It has to get life from the vine. You are able to give fruit only when you have life in me. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. Get your life from me, Jesus said. Then I will live in you, and you will bear much fruit. And here's this last phrase. So important for us to understand. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. We sang about that this morning. We can do nothing, nothing eternal, nothing that lasts apart from relationship with God, with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives as we stay connected to him. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 24 that they were to go to Jerusalem and, and, and that they were to wait and that they would be clothed with power from on high. Now, did they understand that phrase at the time? Maybe, maybe not. But he said, I need you to do this because I need you to go and there's times coming where I'm going to leave, but you go to Jerusalem and you wait for this power that will come on you. And Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so what did they do? Well, they waited. They went to that upper room and they waited until that very thing happened. We wait. We abide. We ask. And I can promise you this. Jesus said this in Luke 11. It's a promise from him. Luke 11, verses 9 to 13 say, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Now, a lot of us, we read that verse, and we often take it out of context and just apply it to everything. And I just got to ask God, and I, God, I need a Mercedes. I'll just ask, and I get it, right? We miss the context here. Let me, let me read on. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. But what's he talking about? Well, read on, verse 11. Which of you fathers, 
If your son asks for a fish, well, give him a snake instead. Dad, can I have fish for lunch? Sure, here's a snake. We wouldn't do that. He said, if you then, uh, or if you ask for an egg, we'll give him a, a scorpion? Of course not. If you then, though you are evil, not like God, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to this phrase, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is encouraging, challenging, inviting us into this cooperative relationship with him where we ask. The cry of our heart must be, oh God, I need more of you. Come and fill me with your power. I need you, God. I need you, Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Years ago, I was at a pastor's conference in Denver, Colorado. And it was a large church, and uh, I went there, frankly, pretty um, empty. I'd been going hard and long and was uh, frustrated, feeling kind of dry. And In fact, to be real honest with you, I went there thinking, you know, maybe it's time for me to go back to banking. I was having such a hard time. Well, I sat in the back uh, and the outside. How many people like to sit on the outside of a row? I can see all the outside people, yeah. I, I sat on the outside in the back, and I don't remember the, the guy, what he talked about. I have no idea where he went that night except at the end. At the end, he said, he asked us all to stand. He said, well, here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to sing this worship song. And I said, and some of you are here today, and you're empty, you're dry, you're, you're thinking about quitting, you don't know what to do, and you need an encounter with God, the Holy Spirit. You need his power in your life. And he says, I'm just going to invite you to come forward. Boy, did he have my attention. It's like that guy was reading my mail. Whoa, okay, fine, I guess God knew I was here, and, and I didn't care about anybody else. But there was this part of me that kind of resisted at first, like, yeah, why do I have to go forward? But then I know, no, man, this is why I'm here. So I made a beeline. I was one of the first down front. And I uh, was right down in front of their, uh, their, uh, their platform and ended up on my knees. And I cannot describe fully for you, it's hard to describe what happened, but I will tell you that I had this encounter with God the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus used the phrase, clothed with power on, from an eye, and it's kind of this picture of putting on. Well, I can tell you, I felt like the Holy Spirit just came and wrapped his arms around me. And I was weak and broken and frustrated and tired and exhausted and unsure. And just at that moment, I had this world-changing, earth-shaking, incredible encounter with God, the Holy Spirit, where he met me. In fact, I ended up on my knees, and I ended up on the floor sucking carpet. You know I cry, right? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I am wailing. And then I felt this little hand on my back, and I didn't know who it was until afterwards. But it was this little hand. I found out later it was this, like, ninth-grade junior high girl who came, and she just came to pray for me. She put her hand on my back, and all she said was, Jesus, give him more. Oh, you know, I'm, 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 just, I'm just wailing, you know. Lord, give him more. Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just, stop. I went, at one point I wanted to turn and say, stop saying that. I'm dying. Because it's just this thing, it's like every time she prayed for more, it was like God just dumped more. It's hard to describe unless you've been there, but just had this earth-shaking, world-changing encounter with God the Holy Spirit where he met me that day and empowered me. Why did I go down front? because I was hungry, because I was desperate. And I went to ask. I went to wait. And it was my desperation that God responded to. We need to see our need. It won't happen until you do. We also need to come to this place where we, on a regular basis, can I suggest every day and maybe every time you run into something bigger and stronger than you, oh God, oh God, oh God, fill me. Holy Spirit, I need more of you. Fill me. Give me your power.
The question I'm going to ask you this morning is, do you want more? And are you willing to ask to abide and to wait, to abide in Jesus and to wait for that to come, for him to fill you? We need to see our need. We need to come desperately to him. But there's one last thing I want to cover this morning, and it's important. It's number three. And here's the truth, and this is very important that you hear this. You and I can hinder the flow of God's power in our life through sin. And that's pretty sobering for me, but it's truth. Now, let me be clear. It is not that we can ever earn God's favor in our life. It is not that we earn his blessing or that because we're really good, he gives us power. That's not it at all. We never deserve it, and it's always a gift of God's grace. Everything he gives to us is a gift of his grace. It is because he's good even when we're not. It is his goodness in our lives. But we can quench, reduce, or hinder what he wants to do through us when we rebelliously hold on to sin. What do I mean by that? When we say, no, God, I'm, I, don't, don't go there. No, God, I will not repent. No, God, I will not confess that. No, God, I will not own that. I will not humble myself and admit that that's failure. No, I don't want to stop. When we do that, unconfessed and unrepented sin in our lives is like a kink in a hose. I've got a picture. You've all seen this. The flow of water into this hose is still there. But there's nothing, maybe a drip, if anything, coming out the other end when there's this kink in the hose. And that's what sin does. When we refuse to let it go, when we refuse to release it, it blocks this flow of God's power and his life through us. Now, let me be clear again. You've got, got to understand this. I am not saying that sin disqualifies us from ministry. If that were the case, none of us would be able to serve God. How many of you sinned at least once this week? Well, let me see your hands. Come on, hold them on. I'll, I'll, I'll put both up. We thought something, said something, looked at something, didn't say something, didn't do something. You know, we all have sin and failure in our lives. And if, if we're going to say, well, I guess I can't serve God because I got sin in my life, sin doesn't disqualify us. Sin also does not, listen, it does not devalue us to God. Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you were the worst you could ever be, far from God, no relationship with him, God still loved you. So, so much did he send his son for you. Sin does not disqualify us from serving God. Sin does not devalue us in our relationship, in our, in our value to God. But sin can dilute our effectiveness. It dilutes our effectiveness in what we are trying to attempt or do for him. We need to confess our sin. We need to just come to God and say, God, I've blown this. And you think, man, I've, I've said that prayer a thousand times. Say it a thousand and one and keep going. Because that's the humble heart that God says, I can work through and use. Again, quoting Dr. Jeff. And he makes another statement in his book, and it's so true. He said, your greatest barrier to the fullness of life in the Spirit is f fear and sin. Your greatest barrier to fullness in the life of the Spirit is on the one hand, fear. Some of us are just, well, I don't want to be weird like those Holy Spirit people. I don't want to go there. So some of it's fear, and some of it's just sin. And it's a barrier to the fullness of that life being expressed in us and through us. Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 14 to 22. He says, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, the lazy and the troublemakers, encourage the disheartened, those that are just broken, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And then he punches through some uh, short things. He says, verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray continually. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, 
By the way, that doesn't mean for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. Say, God, I'm just going to thank you that somehow I know you're going to work through this. He says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. People say to me sometimes, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I need to know what God wants me to do. And I go, well, I can tell you where to start. Here it is. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. That's, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 19, it says, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Right in the middle of this passage where Paul is giving some extremely practical instruction regarding how to live as Christ's followers, he says in verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. He wouldn't warn us against that if it weren't possible. Ephesians 4.30, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. Why? Because those things tend to hinder the flow of God's life and power through us. I've had people say to me, well, you know, I know so-and-so. I've, I've seen this guy, and man, he, he had all sorts of sin in his life, and God still used him, so why, what's the, maybe, you know, I don't know. And I go, yeah, I know people like that too, but here's what I also know about them. I know they're miserable. Now, when we are rebelliously rejecting God and grieving the Holy Spirit, that, that makes us pretty miserable. I know that uh, if God is using them, and, he's, and often I've seen it too, it's because God is good, no matter what, that God loves people, that he'll, he, you know, I, I tell people from time to time, it's kind of crude, but it makes the point, Do, if God can use a, a donkey, you know, to speak to Balaam, he can use anybody. I said donkey rather than jackass because I didn't want to offend anybody, but if God can use a donkey, <laughs> God can use a jackass to speak to somebody, he can use anybody. God can use whatever he wants to. He's quite capable of doing things for the benefit of others. And Balaam at the time was completely rejecting you know, God and, and, and messing up. God is good. That's what he'll do. But here's another thing I know, that, that there's probably this part of their life that is missing. They're not experiencing the full measure of what God wants for them. One short story, and I'm going to pray for you, and we'll be done. Years ago, I uh, had the occasion to um, go to Scotland with a guy named Blaine. He was a pastor in the church I attended, and I loved him. He was incredibly gifted, talented, anointed, I mean, I saw Blaine do things that you just go, wow, I, really? I mean, God, you can do that still? And, and I just saw him operating so much power. But I'd spent enough time with him that I also knew there were some character issues in his life. And as it turned out, sometime later, months later, those character issues ended up costing him his job as a pastor, and, and he ended up leaving the ministry. And it was kind of very tragic, sad. But what I know is that... It, that if Blaine had just confessed and repented of the sin in his life, then he would have experienced even more of what God was doing through him. Why did God use him? Because God loves people. But I also know that Blaine was miserable in the process. And that's not the life God wants for us. And it just simply means we've got to come and say, God, here I am again. I have failed. I've got sin in my life. Into me of that. I surrender that to you. And now in that void in my heart, my soul, my mind, fill me with more of you to be all that God wants you to be and to do all that God wants you to do, to live that uncommon, extraordinary life of a Christ follower, of walking with him, of experiencing the life that he has planned for you, you need more of his power. You need the Holy Spirit and more of him in you to do all that he's planned. All right, let me pray for you.
Father, I thank you that it really is true that you never call us or challenge us to something without empowering us to do it. That you uh, raise the bar pretty high and you ask us to sacrifice, you ask us to step up, you ask us to trust you. But then, God, in the same moment, in the same breath, you give us the power we need to do that very thing you've called us to. What a mystery. What an amazing God you are. And I know that there's some here this morning that that they need a fresh refueling, refilling of the Holy Spirit's power in their life. I know that some of us are empty and we need you. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, come. Work in us. Work in our hearts. If we've got stuff we need to confess and repent of, then help us to do it. If we've been getting in the way, God, just help us to get out of the way. But help us to surrender our lives to say yes to you this morning. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. But you know, it's, it's time. Maybe you've used the excuse, well, I could never be a good Christian. I could never do it. And you heard today, that's not the point. God will empower you to live the life he wants you to live. And you get it. You go, okay. And you realize that it's time for you to say yes to God, to surrender your life, to surrender your past, your present, your future, and to embrace his free gift of grace and mercy and salvation. And you're ready to do that today. I'm going to pray this very simple prayer. And what I might ask you to do is just identify, own this prayer. In your own mind, in your own heart, to say, yes, God, that's me. That's my prayer. That's what I want. And if you're ready today to begin your journey as a Christ follower, just make this prayer yours right now. Father, I've sinned. I've gone my way rather than your way way too many times. And I confess that to you. I confess I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for me. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin. And it seems too good to be true, but I believe today that I can embrace forgiveness and and, and mercy and grace and leave her changed because of you. And so today I surrender. I surrender my life. Thank you for surrendering your life for me, Jesus. And today I choose you. Thank you for choosing Now, if that's your heart, that's your desire, you're always saying, yep, God, that's what I want. That's what I need. And the Bible says the moment you do, that the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. It's this mystery of the deposit of God that now dwells within your soul, your mind, and you become his child. And now he's going to empower you. He will help you. You just need to keep abiding in him and leaning on him, and he'll help you every step along the way. God, for those that have made that decision, here this morning or online, God, show them what this means. Seal in their heart how great, how good, and amazing you are and what you have done in them today. But help all of us today, Lord, to leave here changed. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment. The ushers are going to pass the buckets. And uh, we take our offering during this time. Go ahead, stand with me. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to finish with a song that is one of my favorites, and it is a prayer. It is a prayer. Holy Spirit, come. And I want you to make that your prayer today, to finish with this declaration. I need you. But I'm also going to ask you to do something that that is going to take a little bit of risk on your part. 
I don't expect everybody to. I certainly don't want you to do it because you feel manipulated to do so. Don't do it because the person standing next to you is, is doing it. But in just a moment, as we begin to sing this song, as we begin to worship, I'm going to ask you to come forward. If you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, if you want that fresh refueling, some of you empty and you know it. You're, you're, you're bankrupt emotionally, physically, spiritually, and you know it. Some of you just need an encounter with God today that will refuel you. Some of you have got sin in your life, and you need to just confess that and repent of it. And you think, well, can I just do that? Why don't I have to come forward and do it in front of everybody? And can I just stay where I'm at? Yes, you can. But I said earlier what I'll say again. God loves it when we cooperate with Him, when we respond to Him. And I'm asking you to respond to God this morning with a response by stepping forward, stepping out from where you're at, and making the choice to say humbly, yes, God, I need you. And to come down front as we finish with this song. And then I'm going to pray for you at the end of that. Nothing weird is going to happen, I promise you. But if you want more of him in your life, if you're hungry, if you need to confess, repent, if you need God, and you know it's time, you know in your gut, right now your heart's probably going a 1,000 miles an hour, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come. Let me engage you today. And as we sing the song, you come. Ushers are going to take the offering. We're going to worship. You, you come now front, and I'll pray for you at the end of the song. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody to just bow your heads for a moment. I'm going to pray for those that have come down front. But there's a one or two, maybe a handful of you sit, sitting, standing out in the auditorium, and uh, you're thinking, it's too late. I wish I would have come. I wish I would have gone forward. You're, you're worried about maybe the person standing next to you. Listen, everybody's eyes are closed right now. Just come. You know, your heart's racing a thousand miles an hour. Yep, just come. You know that this is what you need. Just come. This is our act of desperation. This is what we say to God. God, that's why I'm here, because I need you. I need more of you. Thank you. Those of you that are down front right now, I'm going to ask you just to put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving a gift from someone. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to see that thing, that relationship, that financial struggle, that sin, that failure, that brokenness, whatever it is, and I want you just to give that to God. Peter said, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Right now, just surrender that to God. That thing that you are the most afraid of or the most overwhelmed with or the thing that's just staring you in the face right now, just give it to him. This is the surrender part. God, here. Take this. It's bigger than me, Jesus. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And he knows. He knows. So just give it to him. Lord, receive these sacrifices. Receive our brokenness. Receive our desperation. God, hear the confession of our hearts. We've sinned against you. And we need your grace. We need your forgiveness. And so, Lord, we surrender again right here. Now what I want you to do is see that God, the Holy Spirit, is pouring into your heart, into your soul, into your mind right now. That that place, that, that fear, that pain, that brokenness used to be, that you surrendered to him, that emptiness now is not a void it is God, His presence, His Spirit is coming there right now. Right now. The Holy Spirit's coming there to fill you. To fill up that place that was broken. To fill in that crack in your pot. To fill in that 
desperation that you cry to him for now, he's here. Holy Spirit, fill us. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. You know, maybe, I, I just sense there's a couple of you here right now and you are wrestling with a lie. What you're hearing in your head is, and it's the lie of the enemy or it's the self-talk that are both lies, that you have failed too miserably and, and you've done too much and it's too many times and this, there's this lie in the back of your head, I don't feel anything right now because I don't deserve it. Listen, you never deserve it. It is God's grace and it's a lie from the pit of hell that would hold you back to say, well, you can't really receive from God because you really have failed too many times. Lie, lie, it's a lie. Jesus is smiling over you right now. He smiles over you. Lord, receive us, our hearts. Receive our brokenness. And fill us with your Holy Spirit right now. Be filled. Let the breath of God just breathe on you. Let it breathe on you. Let it fill you up. Let him refresh by the power of the Spirit, that part of your soul that's been dry and dusty and filled with ash and emptiness. Let the Holy Spirit just fill that right now. Thank you, Lord. We desperately come to you because you are the answer to every need, every need. And so we cry out to you in this moment. Fill us, God. Let's sing the chorus again. I want you to sing this chorus again from your heart now. Make it your cry. God, we long for you. We're desperate. We're hungry. We're thirsty. And only you can satisfy that longing of our hearts. And God, I pray that every one of us today, every one of us, will leave here recognizing that we need these daily, moment-to-moment encounters, refuelings, refillings with the Holy Spirit. That even those that have come forward this morning, Lord, and have met you here and have surrendered something to you, that they're going to need to do that tomorrow and again the next day and the next day and a thousand tomorrows from tomorrow, God. We need to live in this place of surrender, of being filled by you. And so teach us how to, how to walk in the Spirit. All of us, Lord, we need you. And so we, we offer our lives to you. We pray in Jesus' name. proud of you guys. Thank you. Some of you need more prayer. Prayer team would be down front. They'll have tags on and if you need prayer, let them pray for you. Communion's available both sides of the room. But here's my benediction, my prayer for you. Let me finish with this and I'll let you go. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, here it is, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go walk in him, abide in him, and live in that fullness of sweet. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.